As long as we are alive, having this dream of life and having through the various circumstances of our life, including people suffering in our life, we keep on learning. And, and if a person is so involved in their own suffering because it's so intense and maybe they don't have the tool to uh, transform it, then we can be that silent background in which that crying can happen. And we, it, it's not necessary to say that we say something to them. Maybe we will, maybe not. But what is important is that we can be that living embodied listening in which that, that suffering can be felt and transcended. So it's not a compassion that denies the importance of suffering. It's a compassion of being available for the suffering to be transcended more and more and more. It's really embodied love. Welcome back to the Sounds of Sand podcast. My name is Michael Riley. Today, I'm in conversation with author and spiritual teacher Shakti Katrina Maji. Shakti teaches from the field of Advaita Vedanta and non-dual Tantra with a contemporary framework that explores with compassion and great clarity an inner technology for dissolving the contraction of suffering that traditionally accompanies each of us in our lives. And we get into many beautiful topics today, including emptiness and silence, listening, compassion, and awakening. And so without any further ado, I bring you Shakti Katharina Maji on the Sounds of Sand podcast, presented by Science and Non-Duality. Welcome to Science and Non-Duality. What is non-duality? The universal forces. It's the collective conscious being aware. Trauma is not the external event that happens. Trauma is the impact of that event, which is the disconnection from ourselves. That matter is energy. Energy is matter. That's what EMC squared is about. There's a language without nouns. There is a language without subjugation. There's a language without objectifying. But if it's recorded, then we there is a collapse. But if it's not, then it's the infinite potentiality. All right, I'm here with Shakti Katarina Maji on the Sounds of Sand podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Michael. Thank you all to listening to this. Yeah. So you've been a part of the sand community for a while now. You know, you've done a lot of uh, live sand events and some online things with us. And there's a lot of great resources on our website and our YouTube channel for people to find out about your, your teachings and your path over the last few years. Uh, and I'm just curious, what's what's present for you now these days? Because it's been maybe a, a year or so since we've connected. The sand community has been able to connect with you. Well, so much is going on uh, inside and outside as always. And uh, I always address the importance to remember that awakening to our true nature is just the first step of a beautiful endless journey in the center of our being. And we never finish as long as we are alive and we have a body and we walk on earth to uh, keep on looking in ourselves and burning karma and dissolving ignorance. And so this moment of initiation, I like to call it like that, of the last three years, collective initiation through fears, through limitation, to go in our innermost freedom um, has been incredibly inspiring for me. And uh, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful of what uh, is arriving every day. And what in this moment is more alive is, uh, that has been very alive in the last few years, is really the importance to walk the talk and uh, to express verbally um, exactly what is true and uh, to teach this to people and to teach to stay with what is true of them so staying with what is true of me and sharing this and in this way um, I can share my being with the people that I meet and I can maybe inspire them or teach them or share with them the possibility that can they can do the same they can access to their innermost wisdom by being truth to themselves going in, in their heart completely. So this is what is I feel is very important. I think that the time of ideologies and, uh, you know, um, great 
you know, concept that we follow is kind of over. And to me, truth is not an idea. It's a living mystery and to be checked and found every step of the way. So, yeah, that's what moves my heart in this moment, in these months particularly. Nice. I love that. The, 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 the time of the ideologies is over. <laughs> it's like, cause I think we do, we get, we get stuck maybe in that, in the identity with an ideology and, and neglect, like you said, the lived felt experience that's unfolding moment to moment to moment and is ceaseless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We live in a seamless mystery mm-hmm. and, uh, and the moment in which we name it, we lose it. Uh, and I say this with a lot of respect for traditions and beautiful philosophy that have been inspiring us for many thousands of years. And I'm not saying that they must finish or anything like that. I'm just saying that so much has been melting down and collapsing in the last few years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I think this is good because it leaves us naked and open and uh, maybe curious, <laughs> mm-hmm. like kids, and in which we can be know nothing and being everything, kind of. And and so, yeah, that's what is alive in me now. And, uh, yeah, to be vehicle, to be a living vehicle, living embodiment of truth and to, to share it with our life more than with words, if possible. Mm. Also with words, but, you know, to embody those words, to mean them. Yeah, yeah, because the words are still uh, a manifestation of the lived life. You know, we're basically trying to explain and connect with others through language. So yeah, they're not they're not it's meaningless, beautiful. but yeah, <laughs> they're just part of part of the puzzle. No, 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 <laughs> and. Yeah, and, and I mean, without, without words, you know, this conversation couldn't happen and maybe could inspire some people to do some self-inquiry and reflection. So, you know, language is fantastic. It's incredible. At the same time, it's even more incredible when it's pregnant with the living experience of what we know. You know, sometimes we talk about truth, but we're not experiencing it. And so I think that's where we can check in ourselves where there are gaps between the knowing and the being. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, we, we could sit here in silence in the, in the, uh, the fullness of presence <laughs> for 60 minutes, but I think our podcast ratings would go down very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Let's chit chat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're just jumping right in to the deep end. So that's, that's fine. You know, sometimes I like to go gently down the path, but it feels like we're going right in, in for it. So one of the things I would love to ask you about that I've heard you speak about is this concept of emptiness. Um, because mm-hmm. this word emptiness has such a negative connotation, you know, like no one wants to have a, an empty stomach or an empty bank account. And <laughs> there's fear, there's fear around that word of emptiness, but it, mm-hmm. in, in your teachings mm-hmm. and many of the sacred wisdom te- teachings from all over the world, Mm. Uh, emptiness is it, you know, emptiness Mm. is everything. Mm. Well, (laughs) what a beautiful question you made me, because in reality there is no definition to emptiness in anything I could say, it's not it. Mm -hmm. And yet I would say that in these teachings and also in my teaching, this is present uh, not as as a negative thing, it's not an emptiness as a sense of luck, yeah? It's not an emptiness in which something is missing, but is the absence of fear, is the absence of separation, is love, is true love, is the unconditional background of existence in which all is included, all contradictions, all paradoxes, all differing opinions can beautifully coexist. Our, you know... Our differences can coexist with no contradiction within one another. Is the love that allows everything to be, is the oneness becoming many. And yet even all I said, it's not it, because all I said are just words that dance in the silence of being that is listening to this. So, yeah, I think that we live in a very materialistic world and uh, as we mentioned briefly before, maybe 
is collapsing down mm-hmm. and uh, is leaving us with a question, what is really important to me right now, you know? Maybe I have, maybe I'm more poor, maybe I'm less uh, healthy than before after this global crisis. Maybe I feel uh, a bit more helpless or hopeless. What does remain? What is true of me now? You know? And as we go along, as we walk on this self inquiry, this is very healthy. Um, we discover more and more subtle levels of our being that are true. It can be helping others is important or, you know, loving is important or being honest is important or being courageous is important, being authentic is important. And as we go, you know, one level after the other, one step after the other, deeper and deeper and deeper in this, and, you know, we see that even the I that wanted to be authentic, that wanted to be loving, that wanted to be helpful, even that is a lie or superfluous. And, uh, and that's the truth. But it can't be said, it can only be experienced. And it's not I'm saying it, it can't be said because I want to give a strange, you know, mysterious esoteric teaching. Mm. It's because it's so intimate that even a word you know, breaks it. So I invite who is listening to this, you know, to to allow that self-inquiry to happen. It will arise naturally through the course of life, through crisis, through, you know, even success. Sometimes, not necessarily after a crisis, sometimes, you know, you achieved what you wanted, let's say, you know, you had perfect house, perfect marriage, perfect everything, and then you say, and now what? Yeah? And the self-inquiry starts. And you say, aha, I got all that my mind said to me that was necessary to be happy and safe. And now what? So sometimes it's a crisis. Sometimes it's like life of success. But the self-inquiry is so important. So we can find in our being, maybe through the reflection and the mirroring of life, of teach, of words of teachers, of teaching of, you know, of people, that can be helpful, yeah? And I hope that his words can be the function for who is listening. But ultimately, we are the one that has to do that self-inquiry. We are the one that have to find the bottom of our being, what is true of us. And um, it's a sort of journey, but you don't feel lonely because all the universe participates to that and responds to that. more you are truthful, the more it responds. That's my experience, mm. at least. Mm. And when you say truthful, does that can that resonate also as the word authentic? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because I can say, you know, you can say to me, what's the truth for you? I'm nothing and I'm everything. And that's true of me. But maybe, you know, if, if I ask you, what is true for you or any person that is listening, they can say, oh, for me it's true and I want to be a good father or a good mother, or I want to serve, I want to love. And that's, and it's absolutely good that they stay with that. And that, you know, that will change and will transform. And we let the process take away what is extra. And uh, in my experience, there is a refinement that happens in which you know, we drop more and more into the science of being in which we all exist. It's an incredible, incredible, compassionate state that goes beyond all our mm, do and don'ts and mm-hmm. good and bad and right and wrong. <sighs> Life humbles our attempt to describe it mm-hmm. and to get it it's so simply here so I invite everybody to do their own self-inquiry and to to stay with with what is authentic of them and that being authentic is the key that will lead them to find the truth the ultimate truth the ultimate reality of their being the emptiness that we're talking about that is a beautiful shining love it's not 
void of anything that is brimful with all existence. Mm, beautiful. I, I think one thing I'm hearing is that this true nature of emptiness is something that's experienced with the heart. It's not something that's experienced conceptually. Oh, no, the mind cannot get it. You can use the mind, you can use the intellect, you can use the higher state of the mind, what is in Sanskrit called buddhi, to delete the wrong concepts that we have about truth. And it's it's important, yeah? It's not that we have to become mindless. So intuition, logic, you know, intelligence, are incredible curiosity are incredible qualities that a seeker can have, a spiritual seeker can have to unbuild belief in, we, in which maybe she or he uh, bumped into or believed because he never interrogate, uh, you know, about its authenticity. So um, that is very important. But then there is the wisdom of our sacred heart that must step in. And it's a silent self-inquiry that happens in the heart. And with the great mm, merciless compassion, we'll separate the the true from the false. Mm. And I can only speak of my experience. And each one of us should only speak of their experience. That that emptiness is what you find. But as I said, it's an emptiness and an everythingness that are one, forever one, forever married. It's really, you see, when I say these people sometimes misunderstand me, when I say it's a stepping of grace, you know, and then they imagine that grace is something that maybe one day will visit them. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead it's an ever-going uh, act of grace, life. Grace is already in action and showing us already what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that those were two, uh, well, Emptiness, and we we were spo- spoken about uh, awakening in the beginning, and I'm wondering if maybe the framing of emptiness as emptying, so that it's not a, a fixed state of nothingness or of everythingness, but it's a it's a constant flow of one moment emptying into the next, and um, th- th- that allowing for that flow. That that is more, I would say, that you're describing is more the movement of life. Yeah, life is always appearing and disappearing in order for change to appear. How can we see a next moment if the one before hasn't gone? Well, if we could see the wisdom of life and death in that, we would stop being worried about stopping to existing as a body, right? But that pulsation of on and off is life. Instead, at least in my experience, the emptiness that I'm speaking about is the background of that pulsation, is the space in which that on and off is happening, is the space in which that continuous life and death cycle is occurring. So it's the, it's, you know, the only thing that never changed is the witnessing of this moment. And uh, in the moment in which this instant is appearing, is uh, one with me, is one with you, and then it's gone. And its coming and going is life. But the witnessing of its coming and going is the real you, is the dreamer of this dream. That's the truth. Yeah, and I, I feel like we're um, maybe approaching the concept of, of non-duality there, that there that, that, that witness, that emptiness that I, I can experience, that witness awareness is the same witness awareness that you are experiencing right now and that everyone is experiencing and that, that it's, a, it's a gateway into that space of non-duality. It's, it's a, it is the same awareness that is right now in anybody is listening to this in the future or now is the same one. What we are experiencing is different. Your experience of this interview is not the same of mine experience. And uh, the person that is now listening, they have their own experience. But the one in them that is experiencing this, we are one. 
forever and always. How do we stay with this paradox that it seems like we're having a separate individual experience of reality, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. just the manifestation. Uh, it's just our, our kind of window into the infinite, into this emptiness we're speaking about. Yeah. Because, you see, it seems to be a paradox, the fact that there is your dream life and my life. It seems to be a paradox because we are looking at the dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the oneness is in the one that is experiencing the dream, not in the dream itself. So the life of Michael and the life of Shakti are different, even if they are happening in the same being. Exactly in the same way in which if you have a tree, a tree has, and is blooming, when springtime is coming, it has many, many different flowers. And uh, not all of them will become fruit. Yeah, and we'll seed and we will create other trees or forests. And these are the great being of humanity. Some of them remain a bud. Yeah. And so we all have a different experience, but we are the tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this one being is having, you know, simultaneously. Billions and billions of different experiences, and it's learning upon itself. And this means that you know what we call your experience of life is benefiting the being that we are. My experience, so to seek, say, of experience of life is benefiting this one being that we are, because we are consciousness. We are not the flower, my friend. So the flower is the way in which the consciousness is learning upon itself, but we are not this body-mind. We're not just this body-mind. The body-mind experience is the way in which us, consciousness, is learning upon itself. So if we understand this, everything that is unfair in our life or difficult, it takes a completely different perspective. It's not punishment. Is learning. You are learning by being Michael. I'm, and you are learning by being Shakti. <laughs> and we are all learning because the eye of all is learning. And what is learning about? Love. The mystery of our being. And by doing so, of course, we express even more beautiful flowers and even more beautiful expression. And that's the evolution of the universe itself. Your life is meaningful for consciousness. My life, the life of any person, even you know, even a forgotten child that seems to live so briefly and die, is meaningful. Because it's giving this experience to the one consciousness we are, so we can express this intelligence more and more and more. Allow me to say something that maybe seems not to have something to do with what we're talking about, but for me it's relevant. See, nowadays we say, oh my God, we're living such hellish moment in history and so many wars and so many people treated unfairly and there is so much violence in and out of us and uh, we are on the brink of disaster and we're killing the planet and so on and all this is true but yet there's never been a moment like now in history in which we cared so much about this We never cared so much that many people are dying or suffering or treating unfairly. And this is the evolution of consciousness. This is an incredible important moment in time. It's the time in which globally we care. Mm -hmm. 
So if we understand this, we see that nothing of what is going on is wrong. Everything that is happening is a precious gift because the benefit, you know, the flower will bloom and then its petal will fall. You know, that's not the benefit. Yeah. It's the being that we are. Is learning lifetime after lifetime. So beautiful. When I when I listen, I'm just kind of taken through the stream of of how um, how eloquently and how simplest how simply you're able to describe these really complex things. And I really appreciate your your teaching and your w- what you're sharing with us today. Um, one metaphor that came to mind when you were speaking about the the Difficulties of life, both individually and collectively, helping to shape the experience of consciousness to experience uh, reality through us. I don't know how good of a metaphor this, but but I was thinking of of uh, a violin when it's made. You know, it, it it needs to go through the painful process of you know contraction and expansion and being played, and we say it has to be broken in. You know, often we say that with instruments or mm-hmm. other things that it, it needs to be broken in to really sing its its truest song. Mm. There is great wisdom in what you say, and uh, we should look not at our wounds obsessively, maybe through mental trip, but we should look at the light that comes through the wounds. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not always easy to do that. And sometimes we feel just... You know, we can't cope with reality and um, we feel overwhelmed. And uh, those are very dark moments, which maybe we feel lonely and, you know. But even just intellectually know that everything shall pass, you know. You're experiencing right now desperation, it will pass. You're experiencing now happiness, it will pass. Everything shall pass. Mm -hmm. And if we stay in this witnessing from the heart, because the witnessing arises from your sacred heart, then, you know, another dimension steps in, in your life. A dimension that is allowing everything to teach us about love. And uh, sometimes we kind of try not to listen to the voice of this dimension because we are too busy with our life and with our goals and with our business and it's okay. Then arrives a moment in which we listen and as you say, sometimes it's only after like a lot of battering by life, you know, in which we are stretching in a you know, direction. And, mm-hmm. But it's very important that we um, understand that we are not here to persist. You know, everything you got from your life, everything I got from my life, love, money, understanding, wisdom, whatever, you know, whatever, beautiful knowledge will go. (laughs) So it's not important. What is important is the love we are and we shared and we learned to be. So if this dimension steps in in our life, then those crises can be navigated in a totally different way. And uh, as my experience in this, especially in the last few years, of a lot of students that uh, saw this in themselves and uh, they thrived, you know, and it doesn't mean they didn't lose anything. Ultimately, we need to lose everything. We need to lose the concept of ourselves completely to wake up. So if we can do that before physical death, we live a life of abundance and uh, of living grace, if I may use again this word. As I said, I was going through many of your sand recordings over the last week, getting ready for this 
conversation. And one of your talks from Sand Italy in 2017 uh, called The Crisis of Waking Up was the name of the talk. Mm-hmm. And you, you open it with this really beautiful uh, invitation for people to close their eyes and see into their listening. I don't know if you remember remember that phrase or it's something that you've yeah you, you I do use often. I I do that often. I mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's an invitation I do always at the beginning of satsang, so we can tune in and uh, then let the field of consciousness speak through us. Yeah, and I think there's something really beautiful about the you know as we call it like synesthesia synesthesia of the mixing of senses you know the seeing into our into our listening. Um, and so I'm just curious, what, what, uh, how does listening present itself in what you teach? Yeah, you see, for me, listening is not listening with the ears. Listening is our being. The, the listening I'm pointing to is, you know, the being present to anything that is appearing, like for now, the sounds of now our voice, or the sensation of my body sitting, or the external sound of, you know, the garden outside my house where there is some birds, the colors and forms that are appearing in my room, anything that we are thinking or emotionally experiencing, there is a listening of these things. And this listening is piercing through the moment and we feel listen to the listening itself we fall in this witnessing we see that what we call inner reality or outer one or one and that for me is meditation exactly this Resting in the listening of being. Yeah, and maybe there's something in the act of listening as opposed to seeing, because with listening, we're uh, we're paying attention to what's invisible, what's not yet here. You know, we don't see sounds necessarily, sound waves, vibrations. You know, they're they're basically invisible, and yet we're experiencing them. Yeah, so, well, I had to say that sometimes I also use the word seeing, but again, I'm not speaking about the eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I agree with you that if we're speaking about now, not just listening as a spiritual um, act of being aware of what we are, yeah? Because sometimes I use the word seeing as a synonym of listening when you're speaking about of being aware of what we are. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But if I follow your um, interpretation of what I said, um, you know, we sometimes think to see things that are not there. (laughs) For instance, Mm -hmm. we think to see a person in people and all we are seeing is a body Mm. and all we're hearing is sounds. And we are imagining that there is a person there. And uh, this happens because we imagine to, to be a separate person here. But what is actually happening is an experience made of sounds, color, forms, thoughts, emotions. And there is something, you can call it spiritual seeing or spiritual listening, that is uh, here. And, uh, and when we rest in this listening, when we rest in this through seeing, we could call it like that, then we are resting in reality. And we see the illusion of life, but simultaneously we enjoy it because we see it's us in action. Is this, is this true seeing, is this listening in action? And in my teaching, senses, you know, I, I teach um, Advaita, non-duality, but also non-dual tantra, 
in my teaching, the senses are not enemies. They are carriers of the phenomena of life that are pointing into something that is never appearing, but is the ultimate reality of all, and it's pure consciousness. So what I try to teach people is to use really their everyday life and their sensorial experience to see what is real without falling into the trap of ending that extra that is not there, like the separate entity, the person. We do that all the time. We are adding the person to an experience that in itself is pure perception and is uh, untouched and pure and and it carries the perfume of that eternity that is never in itself appearing. That is the background of all, that emptiness we spoke about before. So our being alert to our senses, being alert to our perceptual experience is... Um, very inspiring when we can do that because as we do that we immediately fall in the moment and the fantasies of the mind are seen as fantasies perception is an incredible path towards the eternal moment that's my experience and that's why it's very present in my teaching and do you make a distinction um, between perception and sensing in this path? Um, I would say that perception is being aware of what the sensing or what the senses are carrying. Right. So are you aware of your sitting on your chair? Are you aware of the texture of the sound of this voice? See, as you do this, you fall into the moment. That's Tantra. Yeah, I love this because I, I do know in my own spiritual path through Buddhism that there is a, a um, I guess demonization may be too strong of a word, but a uh, a, a danger that's that's expressed of of um, following the delusion of the senses too closely and just seeing them as these sort of delusional um, distractions from a, a deeper, truer nature of reality. But in the Tantra path that you're describing and you, and you teach, there's a, um, a celebration of the senses. Is that correct? Well, I would say there is a celebration of the space out of which anything is appearing and disappearing. And, and because everything is appearing in the absolute, nothing is um, excluded and in my experience, love is inclusion. So I'm not an expert at all of Buddhism, so um, please, whoever is listening, then I might not say it rightly, don't get offended. But there is also tantric path in Buddhism as well, as far as I know. And, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, people that become then uh, renowned teachers in, in the centuries um, are sometimes are misinterpreted. Uh, why? Because we can only stay with our experience, as I say before. If we could only understand how good this is, we would cherish instead of feeling lonely and desperate. Because we understand, we would understand immediately that we are the mystery we are trying to work out. We are the key that will open the door of realization. Because, you know, you can listen to what great beings said, you know, of any tradition that legitimately realize their own being. But if we remain only with their experience, unavoidably, we're going to step into an interpretation of them. And what we will have is a knowledge but to reach the wisdom that we are, you know, aching for in our heart, we can use that teaching, but then we have to see what is our experience. And if we can do that, we become master of ourselves. Then we can use those pointers, you know, we can be very grateful to them 
but they will not become the ceiling that will stop our growth. It must arrive a time in which we step out of any frame, any teaching, any label. And uh, in that nakedness of truth, you will discover that, you know, all these great sages, they arrived to the same point. That's the peak of the mountain, as far as I can see now. There is something that you said earlier that I've wanted to return to because we've, we've, um, you know, you've been mentioning love in many different contexts. And uh, you said earlier something to the effect that we as a society are more caring than ever before. Like we, you know, I think we have a, we want to hold a space to know about the suffering of the world to, you know, the Avalokiteshvara, this uh, one who listens to the cries of the world. Mm. And so this importance of compassion and, and as the ultimate f- face of, of non-duality and all the different spiritual traditions that you're, you're touching into. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to know like compassion, like how does that present itself in your teaching? Well, compassion is the ultimate, it's the pinnacle of a non-dual understanding. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes we misunderstand this word compassion because we think that compassion is having pity for somebody, being sorry for somebody. That's not true compassion. True compassion is seeing so utterly the illusion of our suffering that we see the illusion of the suffering in the world without detaching ourselves from the pain that this carries. And so is simultaneously seeing the illusion of suffering and being open to listen to it and to transform it in our heart. Because you see, if you see that the suffering of somebody comes from an ignorance in which they are temporarily falling, because you are them, you become an open channel for their self-transformation. That's compassion. Your compassion gives a possibility because we are one being. You remember the tree? You remember the flowers? Yeah? You are giving a possibility to those, to that consciousness in which there is still ignorance and self-limitation, you're giving a possibility to transfer transformation. So as a compassion that is not at all judging, it's not at all, oh, I have pity of you because I'm a high spiritual being and you blah, 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 you lower than me. Oh yeah, you're suffering. You're suffering because you're ignorant. <laughs> it's not that, you know, it's... Is seeing, wow, you know, I see your suffering. I see that ignorance. Let's see where it resonates in me. Am I still ignorant? Because you are me. You're appearing in my dream. What am I trying to say to myself? You see, it's an endless, <laughs> it's an endless inner work. It's an endless inquiring. It's an endless solving. And, and in my limited perspective, this is the true meaning of uh, what is a bodhisattva. Mm-hmm. we keep on dissolving okay so this is in my opinion this is what is truly important is that we see that um, it's not that we achieve something and then we are done you know as long as we are alive we are keeping on uh, having this dream of life and having through the various circumstances of our life, including people suffering in our life, we keep on learning. And, and if a person is so involved in their own suffering because it's so intense and maybe they don't have the tool to uh, transform it, then we can be that silent background in which that crying can happen. And we, it, it's not necessary to say that we say something to them. Maybe we will, maybe not. But what is important is that we can be that living embodied listening in which that that suffering can be felt and transcended. 
So it's not a compassion that denies the importance of suffering. It's a compassion of being available for the suffering to be transcended more and more and more. Mm. It's really embodied love. And maybe too, it's not even a compassion that wants to solve the suffering, but it's just the space to hear, you know, like imagining we're just having coffee with a friend who's going through something difficult. You know, we don't exactly. need to offer a solution. We just say, I'm here. I'm going to listen and empathetically resonate with, with what you're going through. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's so important that we don't give advice unless we are asked. <laughs> and, you know, if we remember this, you know, that, you know, asking ourselves briefly, is it appropriate? Is it the right time? Is it saying in a kind way? And, uh, you know, am I being, have I been asked, you know? And uh, we can also say, you know, um, oh, do you want my opinion? Do you want what I feel? Do you want to know what I feel? They might say no. We shouldn't be offended, you know. But it's really important that we keep on learning. And in this way, we are, we are at service of, uh, of <laughs> the learning of this one consciousness in, every, in everybody. You know, the, the majority of time, as you said, people don't want to have a solution. They want just to have a place in which they can unpack and unfold what it's harder to, to, to keep in them because they, they don't have the space to, um, you know, to hold this. So we can be there for one another all the time. You know, people don't need even to know that you're doing that. The greatest, greatest teachers of this world, greatest masters, gurus of this world, they do their work in silence. But they keep in harmony <laughs> this chaotic <laughs> ball of mud. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting. You use the word mud there because somehow, as you were speaking, the the image of the lotus growing out of the mud was was coming to mind. <laughs> Not by chance, right? <laughs> and it's good to remember, you know, that the flowering of our wisdom, our spiritual awakening, it will have its root in the mud. Yeah, as we were saying earlier, it's like from the perception, uh, the experience of the lotus. You know, she probably loved the mud you know she's like oh that's so great that's where i came from you know that that was how i was formed was from this little this microscopic seed into this beautiful lotus yeah. and it only happened because of the mud exactly i know it's not always easy you see as you say this the perspective you know sometimes when you know when you are you know on, on the peak of the mountain or the peak of the little hills that we hit every now and then, you know, it's easy to look down and say, oh yeah, that to ha had to happen. Otherwise I couldn't understand this and blah, 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 right. blah. And maybe we are a bit smug, you know, with other people. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. it's happening now, but it's the best for you. Yeah. And the others doesn't want to know it's the best for them or maybe they do, but maybe they just want to be hugged, you know, or held to be, to be hold, mm -hmm. held. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's true. So, you know, if we take now instead the perspective of the one that is climbing the everyday little hill, you know, what we can we say? You know, that maybe there are doubts, maybe there is insecurities, maybe the mind is, you know, showing all the possible solutions one after the other, all in contradictions with one another, you know. And then yet there is something in us that is listening to all that cows and it's our heart. And uh, we can trust it. Wherever you are in the path, on, mm -hmm. on the top of the Himalaya or, you know, yeah. rolling down <laughs> on one mm -hmm. side and <laughs> hurting, we yeah. can trust our heart. <laughs> or just at the, at the visitor yeah. center. If you're just at the visitor center having a cup of coffee, you haven't even gotten yeah, on the path. Yeah, yet. <laughs> and I like to think that this is chit-chat is that like, you know, little stop in the journey in which, or is the part of the journey in which we stop and chit-chat about truth. And 
Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, you know, whoever is listening now, whatever you're going through, you know, stop a moment and listen to it with your heart. hear this first I guess to hear it before anyone else because we'll be sharing this on the podcast so lots of people will be hearing it but um, yeah to just be in conversation and in dialogue with you has been uh, a real honor so thank you so much um, Shay, and, uh, how can people connect with you so you know what, what do you have going on in terms of events or online things yeah well my website is full of things and they can go and eat and I suppose you're going to post it. and But there is an online ongoing community that has been started with uh, COVID time and uh, it never broke off, you know, because mm-hmm. you reach so many people around the world, you know, different continents, different life, different backgrounds. And uh, we speak once a week. And uh, that's a great way to jump in and see what's going on and to see if you like it. There are also things in presence and retreat, uh, international retreats happening two, three times a year, many things. And uh, I really thank you for your time. And I hope this is inspiring for everybody, not to conquer the little piece of paper called truth and put it in, you know, in a shelf and trying to take it out when it's necessary, but the truth has an ongoing, ongoing inquiry. That's what is dear to my heart. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. And thank you, guys mm-hmm. of Sand. You're, you know, I'm a big fan of you all, and I thank you deeply for all you do uh, with such grace, love, and commitment. Thank you. Thank you all. And thank you for listening to The Sounds of Sand. We invite you to explore more of our talks, dialogues, videos, articles, events, and offerings through our website, scienceandnonduality.com. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please consider becoming a member to access our massive library of SAND content, available exclusively to SAND members. And we would love it if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify, and share this episode with your family, friends, and all sentient beings. Be well.